Chapter Twelve of the Decoration of Houses. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by M. Skiffins. The Decoration of Houses by Edith Wharton and Ogden Codman. Chapter Twelve. The Library, Smoking Room, and Den. In the days when furniture was defined as that which may be carried about, the natural bookcase was a chest with a strong lock. These chests, packed with precious manuscripts, followed the prince or noble from one castle to another, and were even carried after him into camp. Before the invention of printing, when twenty or thirty books formed an exceptionally large library, and many great personages were content with the possession of one volume, such ambulant bookcases were sufficient for the requirements of the most eager bibliophile. Occasionally the volumes were kept in a small press or cupboard, and placed in a chest only when their owner travelled. But the bookcase, as now known, did not take shape until much later, for when books multiplied with the introduction of printing, it became customary to fit up for their reception little rooms called cabinets. In the famous cabinet of Catherine de Medici at Blois, the walls are lined with bookshelves concealed behind sliding panels, a contrivance rendered doubly necessary by the general insecurity of property, and by the fact that the books of that period, whether in manuscript or printed, were made sumptuous as church jewellery by the art of painter and goldsmith long after the establishment of the printing press books except in the hands of the scholar continued to be a kind of curiosity like other objects of art less an intellectual need than a treasure upon which rich men prided themselves it was not until the middle of the seventeenth century that the taste for books became a taste for reading france led the way in this new fashion which was assiduously cultivated in those parisian salons of which madame de rambouillet's is the recognized type the possession of a library hitherto the privilege of kings of wealthy monasteries or some distinguished patron of letters like grolier maioli or Dethu, now came to be regarded as a necessity of every gentleman's establishment beautiful bindings were still highly valued and some of the most wonderful work produced in france belongs to the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries but as people began to buy books for the sake of what they contained less exaggerated importance was attached to their exterior so that bindings though perfect as taste and skill could make them were seldom as extravagantly enriched as in the two preceding centuries up to a certain point this change was not to be regretted the mediaeval book with its gold or ivory bas-reliefs bordered with precious stones and its massive jewelled clasps was more like a monstrance or reliquary than anything meant for less ceremonious use it remained for the italian printers and binders of the sixteenth century and for their french imitators to adapt the form of the book to its purpose changing as it were a jewelled idol to a human companion the substitution of the octavo for the folio and certain modifications in binding which made it possible to stand books upright instead of laying one above the other with edges outward gradually gave to the library a more modern aspect in france by the middle of the seventeenth century the library had come to be a recognized feature in private houses the renaissance cabinet continued to be the common receptacle for books but as the shelves were no longer concealed bindings now contributed to the decoration of the room movable bookcases were not unknown but these seemed to have been merely presses in which wooden door panels were replaced by glass or by a lattice-work of brass wire the typical french bookcase a du corps that is made in two separate parts the lower a cupboard to contain prints and folios upper with shelves and glazed or latticed doors was introduced later and is still the best model for a movable bookcase 
In rooms of any importance, however, the French architect always preferred to build his bookshelves into niches formed in the thickness of the wall, thus utilizing the books as part of his scheme of decoration. There is no doubt that this is not only the most practical, but the most decorative way of housing any collection of books large enough to be so employed. To adorn the walls of a library, and then conceal the ornamentation by expensive bookcases, is a waste, or rather a misapplication, of effects, always a sin against aesthetic principles. The importance of book bindings as an element in house decoration has already been touched upon, but since a taste for good bindings has come to be regarded as a collector's fad, like accumulating snuff-boxes or baiser de pay, it seems needful to point out how obvious and valuable a means of decoration is lost by disregarding the outward appearance of books. To be decorative, a bookcase need not contain the productions of the master binders, old volumes by Eve and de Rome, or the work of Roger Payne and Sanderson, unsurpassed as they are in color value ordinary bindings of half morocco or vellum form an expanse of warm lustrous color such bindings are comparatively inexpensive yet people will often hesitate to pay for a good edition bound in plain levant half the amount they are ready to throw away upon a piece of modern sax or silver photograph frame the question of binding leads incidentally to that of editions though the latter is hardly within the scope of this book people who have begun to notice the outside of their books naturally come to appreciate paper and type and thus learn that the modern book is too often merely the cheapest possible vehicle for putting words into print the last few years have brought about some improvement and it is now not unusual for a publisher in bringing out a book at the ordinary rates to produce also a small edition in large paper copies these large paper books though as yet far from perfect in type and make-up are superior to the average commercial article and apart from their artistic merit are in themselves a good investment since the value of such editions increases steadily year by year those who cannot afford both edition and binding will do better to buy large paper books or current first editions and boards than handsomely bound volumes unworthy in type and paper the plain paper or buckram covers of a good publisher are in fact more decorative because more artistic than showy tree-calf or antique morocco the same principle applies to the library itself plain shelves filled with good editions and good bindings are more truly decorative than ornate bookcases lined with tawdry books it has already been pointed out that the plan of building bookshelves into the walls is the most decorative and the most practical see plate forty eight the best examples of this treatment are found in france the walls of the rooms thus decorated were usually of panelled wood either in natural oak or walnut as in the beautiful library of the old university at nancy or else painted in two contrasting colors such as gray and white when not set in recesses the shelves formed a sort of continuous lining around the walls as in the library of louis the sixteenth in the palace at versailles see plate forty seven or in that of the duc de choiseul at chanteloupe now set up in one of the rooms of the public library at tours in either case instead of being detached pieces of furniture the bookcases formed an organic part of the wall decoration any study of old french works on house decoration and furniture will show how seldom the detached bookcase was used in french libraries but few models are to be found and these were probably designed for use in the boudoir or study rather than the library proper see bookcase in plate five in england where private libraries were fewer and less extensive the movable bookcase was much used and examples of built-in shelves are proportionately rarer 
the handbooks of the old english cabinet makers contain innumerable models of handsome bookcases with glazed doors set with diamond-shaped panels and wooden mouldings and the familiar broken pediments surmounted by a bust or an urn it was natural that where books refused small bookcases should be preferred to a room lined with shelves and in the seventeenth century according to john evelyn the three nations of great britain contained fewer books than paris almost all the old bookcases had one feature in common that is the lower cupboard with solid doors the bookcase proper rested upon this projecting cupboard thus raising the books above the level of the furniture the prevalent fashion of low bookshelves starting from the floor and not extending much higher than the dado moulding has probably been brought about by the other recent fashion of low studded rooms architects are beginning to rediscover the forgotten fact that the stud of a room should be regulated by the dimensions of its floor space so that in the newer houses the dwarf bookcase is no longer a necessity it is certainly less convenient than the tall old-fashioned press for not only must one kneel to reach the lower shelves but the books are hidden and access to them is obstructed by their being on a level with the furniture the general decoration of the library should be of such characters to form a background or setting to the books rather than to distract attention from them the richly adorned room in which books are but a minor incident is in fact no library at all there is no reason why the decorations of a library should not be splendid but in that case the books must be splendid too and sufficient in number to dominate all the accessory decorations of the room when there are books enough it is best to use them as part of the decorative treatment of the walls panelling any intervening spaces in a severe and dignified style otherwise movable bookcases may be placed against the more important wall spaces the walls being decorated with wooden panelling or with mouldings and stucco ornaments but in this case composition and color scheme must be so subdued as to throw the bookcases and their contents into marked relief it does not follow that because books are the chief feature of the library other ornaments should be excluded but they should be used with discrimination and so chosen as to harmonize with the spirit of the room nowhere is the modern litter of knick-knacks and photographs more inappropriate than in the library the tables should be large substantial and clear of everything but lamps books and papers one table at least being given over to the filing of books and newspapers the library writing-table is seldom large enough or sufficiently free from odds and ends in the shape of photograph frames silver boxes and flower vases to give free play to the elbows a large solid table of the kind called bureau ministre see the table in plate forty seven is well adapted to the library and in front of it should stand a comfortable writing-chair such as that represented in plate forty nine the housing of a great private library is one of the most interesting problems of interior architecture such a room combining monumental dimensions with the rich color values and impressive effect produced by tiers of fine bindings affords unequalled opportunity for the exercise of the architect's skill the two-storied room with gallery and stairs and domed or vaulted ceiling is the finest setting for a great collection space may of course be gained by means of a series of bookcases projecting into the room and forming deep bays along each of the walls but this arrangement is seldom necessary save in a public library and however skilfully handled must necessarily diminish the architectural effect of the room in america the great private library is still so much a thing of the future that its treatment need not be discussed in detail few of the large houses lately built in the united states contain a library in the serious meaning of the term but it is to be hoped that the next generation of architects will have wider opportunities in this direction the smoking-room proper with its mise-en-scene of turkish divans nargilis brass coffee-trays and other oriental properties is no longer considered a necessity in the modern house and the room which would formerly have been used for the special purpose now comes rather under the head of the master's lounging-room or den since the latter word seems to have attained the dignity of a technical term 
whatever extravagances the upholsterer may have committed in other parts of the house it is usually conceded that common sense should regulate the furnishing of the den fragile chairs lace petticoat lampshades and irrelevant bric-a-brac are consequently excluded and the master's sense of comfort often expresses itself in a set of office furniture a roller-top desk a revolving chair and others of the puffy type already described as the accepted model of a luxurious seat thus freed from the superfluous the den is likely to be the most comfortable room in the house and the natural inference is that a room in order to be comfortable must be ugly one can picture the derision of the man who is told that he might without the smallest sacrifice of comfort or convenience transact his business at a louis the sixteenth writing-table seated in a louis the sixteenth chair yet the handsomest desks of the last century the fine old bureau a la conitz or a cylindre were the prototypes of the modern roller-top and the cane or leather-seated writing-chair with rounded back and five slim strong legs was far more comfortable than the amorphous revolving seat convenience was not sacrificed to beauty in either desk or chair but both the old pieces being designed by skilled cabinet-makers were as decorative as they were useful there seems in fact no reason why the modern den should not resemble the financier's bureau seen in so many old prints rooms of dignified plainness but where each line of wall panelling and furniture was as carefully studied and intelligently adapted to its ends as though intended for a drawing-room or boudoir reference has been made to the way in which even in small houses a room may be sacrificed to a supposed effect or to some inherited tradition as to its former use thus the family drawing-room is too often made uninhabitable for some vague feeling that a drawing-room is not worthy of its name unless too fine to sit in while the small front room on the ground floor in the average american house the only corner given over to the master is thrown into the hall either that the house may appear larger and handsomer or from sheer inability to make so small a room habitable there is no reason why even a ten by twelve or an eight by fourteen foot room should not be made comfortable and following suggestions are intended to indicate the lines in which an appropriate scheme of decoration might be carried out in most town houses the small room downstairs is built with an opening in the longitudinal wall close to the front door while there is usually another entrance at the back of the room facing the window one at least of these openings being as a rule of exaggerated width in such cases the door on the side of the room should be walled up this gives privacy and provides enough additional wall space for a good-sized piece of furniture the best way of obtaining an effect of size is to panel the walls by means of clear-cut architectural mouldings a few strong vertical lines will give dignity to the room and height to the ceiling the walls should be free from pattern and light and color since dark walls necessitate much artificial light and have the disadvantage of making a room look small the ceiling if not plain must be ornamented with the lightest tracery and supported by a cornice correspondingly simple in design heavy ceiling mouldings are obviously out of place in a small room and a plain expanse of plaster is always preferable to misapplied ornament a single curtain made of some flexible material such as corduroy or thin unlined damask and so hung that it may be readily drawn back during the day is sufficient for the window while in a corner near this window may be placed an easy chair and a small solidly made table large enough to hold a lamp and a book or two these rooms in some recently built townhouses contain chimneys set in an angle of the wall a misplaced attempt at quaintness making it inconvenient to sit near the hearth and seriously interfering with the general arrangement of the room when the chimney occupies the centre of the longitudinal wall there is space even in a very narrow room for a group of chairs about the fireplace provided as we are now supposing the opening in the parallel wall has been closed a bookcase or some other high piece of furniture may be placed on each side of the mantel and there will be space opposite for a sofa and a good-sized writing-table 
if the pieces of furniture chosen are in scale with the dimensions of the room and are placed against the wall instead of being set sideways with the usual easel or palm tree behind them it is surprising to see how much a small room may contain without appearing to be overcrowded End of chapter 12